office box a box of chocolates would I know to stay away what's it hand off his box a box of chocolates would I eat them anyway cause every time I have half a mind to leave you babe that means I It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, also WCBN.org at the same time. Hi, this is Mike, and Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture every Thursday evening at 6.30. And because it's 14 degrees out there, yes, 14 beautiful, delicious frozen degrees, you may find yourself wanting to imbibe in something, or maybe later in the evening, or right now, but... We don't want no trouble around here. We're going to actually talk about maybe imbibing a little scotch later as a part of a special celebration tomorrow to celebrate Robert Burns, the great Scottish poet, scotch and haggis. And But first of all, here's a public service announcement from the Clovers. Clovers. It was as true in the 50s as it is now. Watch out for that sneaky Pete, you know what I'm saying. So, again, we're going to talk a little bit 
later in the show about scotch and haggis, mostly haggis, a little bit of scotch, a little more scotch, a little more scotch. But in the meantime, some food news, some Michigan food news involving McDonald's, as a matter of fact, and Dearborn. This from the Associated Press this week. McDonald's and one of its franchise owners have agreed to pay $700,000 to members of the Muslim community. The payment is to settle allegations that a restaurant in Dearborn falsely advertised its food as being prepared according to Islamic dietary law or law or halal. McDonald's and Finley's management have agreed to the tentative settlement with that money to be shared by a Dearborn Heights resident, a Detroit health clinic, the Arab American National Museum in Dearborn, and lawyers. The lawsuit alleged that the resident bought a chicken sandwich in September 2011 at a Dearborn McDonald's but found it wasn't halal meaning it did not meet Islamic requirements for preparing food. McDonald's and Finley's management deny any liability, but say the settlement is in their best interests. So moving on to other food that might be fast, going now to Henderson, Nevada, this from the Associated Press, where the city manager says he wants to update the city's logo after it was mistaken for a hamburger. I hate when that happens with the city logo. Jacob Snow tells the Las Vegas Review-Journal that the logo is too detailed to print clearly on small items such as business cards. He says y'all, he also says he doesn't like the image's saguaro cactus, which is not native to the Mojave Desert. The circular logo was adopted in 1993, and it features a mountain range, a lake, buildings, and a golf course through the middle. A city spokesman says the more than 14 different colors on the image make it difficult to replicate, and besides, somebody mistook it for a hamburger. I don't know about a hamburger, but the circular logo does have a light brown sky and a light brown desert ground below with a strip in between that includes those purple mountains, which could be purple cabbage, mm. a rising sun, which could be an egg on your burger, such as you might get at uh, Crazy Jim's Blimpy Burger, a uh, golf course, which could be lettuce, lettuce, a blue lake, which could be a blueberry popsicle on your burger. Now, that's some kind of Southwest cuisine, let me tell you. So, yeah, that's from uh, Food Mistaken for... No, Food Mistaken for Halal and uh, Business Card Logo Mistaken for a Burger. Now, on to other... One more burger story, but we're going far afield to London, England now. Burger King says it has stopped buying beef from an Irish supplier after traces of horse DNA were found in beef burgers sold in Britain and Ireland. Love them, love me some of that tasty horse DNA. The fast food chain said in a statement that it had dropped Silvercrest Foods as a supplier for its UK and Ireland restaurants as a voluntary and precautionary measure. Last week, Silvercrest shut down its production line and recalled 10 million burgers from supermarket shelves in Britain and Ireland after horse DNA was found in some beef products. Products from another Irish firm and one in Britain were also contaminated. Irish food officials say an ingredient imported from an unspecified European country is the likely culprit. Unspecified European country. Yeah, that's it. Officials say there is no risk to human health, but the episode has raised food security concerns. Because if you get some horse DNA breaking into a club without proper clearance, you never know what you're going to... But that's, that's more burger news, but another public service announcement right now.
baby, hold your mouth. I want it my way. And if you want it my way, all you got to do is mm, take my hand. Nothing but class on Pandora's lunchbox. Um, yes. That was the bloaters, the fabulous bloaters, not to be confused with the floaters who did float on. No, in fact, that was the bloaters and bloat on. Actually, Cheech and Chong. That's my secret. I think they come from an unspecified European country. Yeah, that's it. This is Pandora's lunchbox. It's 20 minutes before 7-ish. Arbel will help us to face the music in just 20 minutes. In the meantime... From burgers and horse DNA to Twinkies, and you're thinking, well, of course, burgers, horse DNA, Twinkies. So, uh, this is news from the Associated Path. The The pension fund for some of Hostess Brands workers has hired an investment bank to represent workers and pensioners as the company sells off its brands. Hostess filed for bankruptcy in November and moved to liquidate after it failed to reach a contract agreement with the Bakery and Confectionery Union, which represented about one-third of its 18,000 workers. The union says a New York firm, Gordian Group, will represent the fund. Gordian President Peter Kaufman says his company will try to ensure potential buyers hire former hostess workers and honor the company's pension obligations. Trying to imagine a Gordian not made of Twinkies... No, I can't. But Twinkie art, however, is another thing entirely. There's an artist named Nancy Pepin who has featured Twinkies in hundreds of pieces of satirical artwork. She's from Reno, Nevada. What's the city logo? Reno, mistaken for a hamburger. No, that's Henderson, Nevada. Sorry. But Nancy Pepin says she was first influenced to focus on Twinkies in 1975 by Andy Warhol, who demonstrated that even a Campbell's soup can could be an object of art. Shortly after Hostess announced plans to go out of business last year, Pepin was among those who joined the rush to stores to fill shopping carts with boxes of Twinkies. She said, I needed art supplies. Her painting titled The Last Snack? Guess. Guess what? It's a takeoff of Da Vinci's The Last Supper, featuring Twinkies, Ding Dongs, Ho-Hos, and other Hostess products at a table with the same arrangement and background as Da Vinci's piece. Nancy Pepin, Twinkie art. It's beautiful. Meanwhile, I think that if we went back to the 1950s and looked out for people crawling instead of bawling because of Sneaky Pete's, we might also run into Winona Carr, as a matter of fact, right around 1955. And I don't think she's got Twinkies on her mind. Uh, Let's see what uh, she's uh, thinking of there. Winona Carr? I went to a fortune teller. 
Isn't that kind of her to do that song just for us? That is Ding Dong Daddy by Winona Carr. Oh, I love it. That's from a collection called Jump Jack Jump. It's on the specialty label. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show all about food on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, also WCBN.org simultaneously at the same time. Now let's talk about Robert Burns, okay? Because tomorrow is a big day in Scotland and for people who are Scottish around the world. Robert Burns was born January 25th, 1759. Wikipedia says he's also known as Robbie Burns, the plowman poet, Robden of Solway Firth, the Bard of Ayrshire, and in Scotland as the Bard. He's regarded as a pioneer of the Romantic movement. After his death, he became a great source of inspiration to the founders of both liberalism and socialism and a cultural icon in Scotland, as well as among the Scottish diaspora. As well as making original compositions, he also collected folk songs from across Scotland, often revising or adapting them. His most famous poem and song probably is Auld Lang Syne, but he also wrote a poem called To a Haggis, which is why we come to this right now. It is about food, yes, but I think it's also about how that food reflects the Scottish character. Haggis is a savory pudding, traditionally containing sheep's heart, liver, and lungs, minced with onion, oatmeal, suet, spices, and salt, mixed with stock, traditionally encased in the animal's stomach, and simmered for three hours. Most modern commercial haggis, however, is prepared in a sausage casing rather than an actual stomach. And I had haggis in Windsor, Ontario once that I believe consisted of ground beef and lamb with suet and onion oatmeal spices and in a sausage casing. So it depends. It depends on where you get it and what, what, what's in it. it. It depends, you know. Well, haggis is a big part of Burns Night. Burns Night is celebrated on Robert Burns' birthday, January 25th, which is tomorrow. It's more widely observed in Scotland than the official national day, St. Andrew's Day. The format of Burns Suppers has changed little since the first one was held in 1802. Burns Suppers are a big part of Burns Night. The basic format starts with a general welcome welcome, and announcements, followed by the Selkirk Grace, which I will attempt to read to you now. Forgive me. 
some high meat and canna eat, and some wad eat that want it, but we high meat and we can eat and say, let the Lord be thank it. Again, forgive me. Then the soup, normally it's scotch broth or potato soup or kakaliki. Kakaliki is a soup of leeks and chicken stock, and the original recipe added prunes during cooking, and traditionalists still garnish with a julienne of prunes. Then there's the piping of the haggis. Everyone stands as the main course is brought in. Stand now. A haggis on a large dish is brought in. A piper plays bagpipes and leads the way to the host's table where the haggis is laid down. The host, or perhaps a guest, then recites the address called To a Haggis by Robert Burns. Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to this recording brought to you by the British Council. Okay, that was really loud. Let's just be less obnoxious. Hello. And welcome to this recording, brought to you by the British Council. Smashing. Okay, ready? Wait for it. Here we go. Address to the Haggis by Robert Burns. Fair is your honest, happy face, great chieftain of the pudding race. Above them all you take your place, stomach, tripe or guts, well are you worthy of a grace as long as my arm. The groaning platter there you fill, your buttocks like a distant hill, your skewer would help to repair a mill in time of need, while through your pores the juices emerge like amber beads. His knife, having seen hard labour, wipes and cuts you up with great skill, digging into your gushing insides, bright like any ditch, and then, oh, what a glorious sight, warm, steaming, rich. Then, spoon for spoon, they stretch and strive, Devil take the last man, on they drive, until all their well-swollen bellies are bent like drums. Then the old gent, most likely to rift, be thanked, mumbles. Is there that over his French ragout or olio that would sicken a pig, or fricassee would make her vomit with perfect disgust, Looks down with a sneering, scornful opinion on such a dinner? Poor devil! See him over his trash, as weak as a withered rush. His spindle shank a good whiplash, his clenched fist the size of a nut. Through a bloody flood and battlefield to dash, oh, how unfit! But take note of the strong, haggis-fed Scot. The trembling earth resounds his tread. Clasped in his large fist a blade, he'll make it whistle. And legs and arms and heads he will cut off like the tops of thistles. You powers who make mankind your care and dish them out their meals, old Scotland wants no watery food that splashes in dishes. But if you wish her grateful prayer, give her a haggis. Give her a haggis, yes. Now that is To a Haggis by Robert Burns in English. In English, now. But the original poem was written in the Scottish language. We're going to hear a little bit of that in just a moment. Listen to a few versions around the interwebs, nets, net of webs, and found one that I thought would be quite interesting. As a matter of fact, you may have heard the woman rehearsing in the background. <laughs> um, now, 
most of these poems I find are by dudes, you know, being manly and slicing the haggis and chopping men's heads off and things like that, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, at the end they say, give her a haggis. Well, what about her opinion? What does she want? Wouldn't you be interested in her point of view? So how about if there's a woman doing the same poem in the original Scottish, and not only is she reciting it, she's singing it. Her name is Sheena Wellington, and let's hear her in full now, shall we? Fair fire on a sunsy face, great chieftain o' the pardon race. I've been there, my attack your place. Pinch tripe or firm, we'll are your wordy o'er grace, as lang's my harem. The groaning trencher there you fill, your heart is like a distant hill, your queen would help to mend a mill, in time o' need, and through your pores the juice distill, like amber bead. His knife see rustic labour dicht, and cut ye up we ready slicht, trenching your gushing entrails bricht. Like on a ditch, and then oh, what a glorious sight, warm reeking rich. Then horn for horn they stretch and strive, deal tack the hindmast on they drive, till a their wheel swelled kites be live, are bent like drums, and all good man misliked to arrive, bethanked hums. Is there what our his French ragu or Oli o what stowasu or fricassee what gar her spew we perfect scunner looks down we sneer and scorn fave you on sick a dinner per devil see him our is trash as feckless as a weather grass his spindle shanks a gid with a plush. His knee on it, through bloody flood or fealty dash. Oh, how unfit! But mark the rustic haggis fed, the trembling nerf resounds his dread. Put in his welly knee for blade, he'll gar it whistle, and legs and arms and heads will sned, like taps o' thristles. Ye pours wa mark mankind your care, and dish them out your below fair. I'll scosh a once ne skinkin' wear the japs and luckies, but if ye wish her grateful prayers, give her a haggis. <laughs> Yeah, now that's what I'm talking about. That's Sheena Wellington to a haggis, sometimes also called Address to a Haggis. That was on a website called tindeck.com. And you'll notice she said thistle. They're talking about that lovely lyric about chopping men's legs and heads off <laughs> like tops of thistles. She says thristle, which I found out actually is another way of saying thistle in Scotland. Thristle. And uh, wait, let's go back to that... Um, the British uh, thing we heard from the uh, British Council. Let's have a little, you know, we've had a lot of public service announcements, and why not uh, one more? Ready? Here we go. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. To find out more about the British Council and the services we offer, contact your local British Council office 
or go to www.britishcouncil.org. Or call Bye on for the, now. Bye for now. Or call on the telephone, but not not when I'm talking because it gets all confusing with the sounds and the talking and stuff. Yeah, there we go. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and in five minutes, Arwolf will help us to face the music. In the meantime, just to let you know, you can celebrate Burns Night in the area. The St. Andrew's Society of Detroit is holding its third annual Burns Pub Night celebration. I'm not sure if it's sold out or what, but you could look up all this stuff. It's at the Kilgore Scottish Center, that's C-E-N-T-R-E, don't you know, in Troy, Michigan. It's actually celebrated on Saturday, probably easier for people to get there on their day off, Saturday from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Kilgore Scottish Center in Troy. If you want to cross the border... There's the Scottish Club of Windsor. It's a large event hall in the heart of South Walkerville in the city of Windsor. They've got a Robert Burns supper this Saturday as well. So lots of possibilities without having to fly all the way to Scotland to give her a haggis. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and I've been Mike for quite some time. I just want to mention one more thing. This is a news item that is only peripherally related to food, but I will mention The Supreme Court is not hearing a challenge to the Clean Air Act rule. Why am I mentioning? This is a tough new clean air requirement limiting sulfur dioxide emissions. The High Court has refused to hear an appeal from businesses and industrial interests involving an EPA regulation setting emission levels of sulfur dioxide, a colorless gas with the smell of rotting eggs. See, it's food. Sulfur dioxide from power plant smokestacks can be carried long distances by wind and weather and has been linked to various illnesses, including asthma. Several corporations and industrial associations, along with several states, say the EPA's required emission levels are lower than mandated by law to protect public health. But the U.S. Court of Appeals from the D.C. Circuit refused to overturn the EPA's decision, and the Supreme Court is refusing to reconsider that ruling. So, Supreme Court will not hear a challenge to the Clean Air Act rule. Rotting eggs. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It's also simultaneously WCBN.org by a startling coincidence. One more public service announcement. Shall we back to the Clovers, who are very good at this sort of thing? We earlier heard about them crawling instead of balling, and that rhymes. So why not nip sip? Be careful out there. Stay warm. It's WCBN FM and the Ann Arbor. That thing. And then I'm gonna order us some malt. I'm gonna nip sip every day Nip sip every night Nip sip every day Just the nipping and the sipping the time away I'm a rock candy popper With sugar lips A honey dripper to my fingertips Ha! I go for soda and a root beer too The little light spice Who should be do Nip sip Every day Nip sip Every night Nip sip Every day Just a nipping and a sipping The time away Going to the party Get with a bunch 
Got a dollar for my nipping and a dime for my lunch. Gonna dance the mumbo every set. And when I wanna get my whistle wet, nip sip every day. Nip sip every night. Nip sip every day. Just a nipping and a sipping the time away. Got a dollar for my nipping and a dime for my lunch. Gonna dance the mumbo every set. And when I wanna get my whistle wet, I'm gonna nip sip every day. Nip sip every night. Nip sip every day. Just a nipping and a sipping the time away. Booty. This is the real world of broadcasting. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Uh, yeah, 88. My name is Arwolf. It's time for Face the Music. I just landed here, smack dab in the middle of this amazing laboratory, below sea level. It is uh, very cold outside, and a lot of people have been getting sick and struggling to get not sick. And so I wanted to air this next hour of music in support of everybody who's, uh, who's working, even though they need to be resting and and like that. So please nourish yourself, take care of yourself, and take care of each other. This first one, I think, will create quite a bit of of, of friction by the uh, the tempo of this recording made in 1927 by Fletcher Henderson's orchestra. Uh, this is the uh, the Wang Wang Blues, probably one of the fastest versions ever recorded. Thank <laughs> you. 